Welcome everyone to Behind the Rules. This week's guest is one of my biggest influences. He is an official of a wide range of sports, from football to wrestling to lacrosse. I'm privileged to have him on this podcast. Carlos Domo. Welcome, Carlos. Hey, thank you, Stephen. And, and you know what? Thank you for that great intro. You know, it, it really is fascinating when I think back of the sports. It's a lot of sports, a lot of rules to remember, and a lot of knowing the games. So I had to take your quote from you. But so thank you so much. So humbled. Oh, no problem. Well, it, you know, it's about you, but for people to know what you mean to me in my career, you've introduced me to BUA, which is where I got my start umpiring, and you helped me in the beginning of my career, and I wouldn't be the the referee and consequently the man that I am today without you. So, end up blowing smoke up your uh, your big ass. <laughs> man, thank you so much, man. It's 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 really humbling to to hear that and to know that um, you know I had a positive influence on on you and and your career as you still are developing as a professional. So, thank you. Thank you. So, where did you start off like your whole sports journey from, you know, when you were a kid to an adult to what led you to become an official? So, it's funny you asked that question because um, me getting involved in sports really started in the community I was in. I'm actually Afro-Latino. So, in my neighborhood, um, there was a lot of folks who played baseball. A lot of guys, a lot of my friends are Puerto Ricans who played. So, uh, just starting on the block playing SpongeBob. If you remember what SpongeBob is, everyone had a, a box on a wall and, you know, pitch from 60 feet away and, you know, anything in that ball, any part of that ball in the box, it was a strike. So, um, you know, you would play uh, one out and, and then you would switch. So that was really the influence for me. My family is a soccer family. I started young after maybe a year. I I just hated it. But again, it started with actually started with soccer, then baseball and then everything under the sun. So where, where is this taking place? So my family's in the rim. And so we played in, in various leagues. And I remember vaguely I was born here, but one of our trips to Honduras, my uh, my family had me playing soccer. I might have might have been like five years old. So the ball was ginormous at that point. But then when, when, when I came back home, you know, over time, just playing, playing baseball, just playing in the neighborhood, um, I grew up in the Bronx and, and my first experience playing, you know, anything organized was, was in, in, uh, in Patterson uh, houses in, in the South Bronx. This, Tough uh, neighborhood. Yeah. And soccer is not something that they're, you know, they're going to help you get better at. <laughs> no way. No way. So from, from there, um, did, did you wrestle? No. So I watched, and similar to you, we are wrestling fanatics. And, and we mean wrestling both on the mat and in the WWF, which was back then. Yeah, so I remember my, my, I have uh, three older brothers, and they all they went to Clinton High School. And the second oldest, he and I are really, really close. So he went to high school first, and then he told me, hey, I joined the wrestling team. Like, okay, is there a ring? So I'm looking for a ring. How do you, you know, do you have, uh, can you jump off the top rope? How do you score points? Because to me, it's pin and you're done, right? And he's yeah. like, oh, no, there's this mat and there's circles. And then there's like these parallel lines. And I'm scratching my head like, uh, I don't know what kind of wrestling is that, but I don't want to do that. Being that they went to Clinton first, I followed them. They weren't really into sports. I was, and I went to Clinton High School for baseball. So I have what, to tell the story. The years? Early 90s. 
early nineties. <laughs> <laughs> so moving I was, on. <laughs> I, yeah, moving on. So I was really, for me, I grew up playing baseball. I loved baseball and I really thought I had a shot. And I, at the time, Clinton high school was one of the schools to go to, you know, of course they had the rivalries with Kennedy and Monroe, but there were a lot of scouts at those games. So I really thought I would go and, and perform. And so my freshman year, one of the coaches approached me to play football. I didn't really know football other than what, the block. Quick, before you get there, what position you played in baseball? Okay, so when I started playing baseball, I was a center fielder. And then I migrated to third base, first base, and did some catching. Excellent. So, yeah, so coach said, hey, to get in shape, why don't you do football? Okay. Now, Stephen, mind you, I'm six foot two now and 200 plus pounds now. But Don't back then, <laughs> we had Anthony Mira wrestling all four years and 98 pounds. Can you that? That was, I believe it because I, I actually, no, it wasn't what he said that in the pocket. It was a revelation. I mean, like all four years. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Okay, so, go um, on, so I was five nine, 140 pounds, and no one believes that. No one believes. That. Yeah, I was yeah, five nine. Yeah, it was probably pounds. for like you know five minutes. <laughs> Actually, when I graduated high school, I was probably one hundred eighty six pounds. But I, but I'll get to that one because that, that's also important. So um, I tried out. It wasn't really a tryout. They just put me on. But you know, for the first few weeks, I'm noticing I'm practicing with the big guys. So I you know put two and two together. Asked the coach, Hey, coach, is there ever a time? I'm going to run for run with the ball or go out for a pass. He's like, oh, silly Carlos. You block for those guys. Mm-hmm. So I started as a guard with the big boys. Mm. So the next year I migrated over, became a tight end. You and see, with a, the big boys, I know people are hearing this. Carlos is a big boy. <laughs> but not back then. Not okay, back then. sure. And guards, you know, they are the biggest boys. Yeah, well, I was – I was the smallest guy, and I was getting beat up. However, I did migrate to the next year. Um, I got t- a little taller, got a little bigger, but I went right from football into now wrestling, and that was the other part. The coach says, hey, to get in shape for baseball, why don't you wrestle? So I wrestled and um, you know, fell in love with it ever since. And then uh, after so wait, baseball, wait, wait, sorry, after football, did you say what year was that? That was your sophomore or freshman year? That was freshman year. Freshman year. Oh, great. Freshman year. So I went right from football right into wrestling and then right into baseball. And Mm -hmm. ironically enough, my life with sports, I start football season, I go right into wrestling season and right into baseball. How crazy is that? That's how you referee. That's exactly. Exactly. So from your, uh, you know, amateur sports career in in high school in Clinton, what led you to becoming an official and what, what uh, age did you start? Okay, so this is actually my 30th year officiating sports. And it sounds crazy because you think 30 and the, the wheels must be falling off and I'm starting to hit my prime. So I started hmm. my junior year and, we, and the same group you represent, what group I introduced you to, BUA, I started with BUA and I started – um, right after practice, high school baseball practices, or if I didn't have a game, um, I had games assigned at Harris. To BUA, by the way. So, so a gentleman by the name of George Bodine approached me and, and a few other athletes from different schools and said, hey, if you guys want to make a little extra money without having to work a job, why don't you take on this umpire thing? And at that point, I was like, no way, no way. I don't want – because I'm thinking if I do that, 
that's probably going to spell the end of baseball playing. And so after being approached several times, I thought about it and said, okay, let's do it. So they started me off at the grassroots level. Uh, I, I remember the league, the Love Gospel League, um, no longer exists. But some of the fellow umpires in our group, um, they also uh, were involved in it. And um, so anyway, that was the grassroots level. Um, and after a few years, um, when I went to college, I was able, with the support of um, – who became the who was the president of BUA, Bruno Franco, uh, rest in peace. Rest um, in peace. Yeah, he he got me he got me to um, I, and I'll never forget this. Um, I I went to school at Oswego up by Syracuse area, and I wanted to umpire baseball games because I had some experience, and so um, I needed a letter from Bruno stating that you know in fact I had been umpiring for a number of years and they could trust me, and you know they turned around and gave me a varsity schedule, and then. Um, you know, did that. Bruno, then, man. Yeah, Shout man. He, he really looked out. He really looked yeah. out for me. That's awesome. So, yep. And then um, eventually when I came back, uh, graduated, came back and started working and, and, and just still kept doing baseball games. And, you know, I, I thank um, Jimmy O'Gorman as well, because Jimmy really uh, allowed me to, to really grow in the high school levels. And, and, and that experience carries me till today. Yes. Uh, I think the PSAL varsity level is invaluable to your overall growth as an umpire because you can see good baseball anywhere but the dynamic aspects of a city all the cultures and not every team has a field you know you got to really you got to go beyond the rules in in those in those aspects and that really it'll at best calm you down in a way that you can get better at your game without being worried because if you're worried it's hard to get better you're you're just trying not to to mess up instead of focusing on when you are good and knowing what you don't know. So, yeah, definitely shout out to Bruno and, and Jimmy O'Gorman, who I caught a couple. I was, it's a funny story. This, I am the regime killer. So I joined uh, I joined uh, the wrestling chapter. Bob Antonito one year. Next year, he's out. Joined BUA. <laughs> Bruno was in charge one year. Next year, he's out. Joined the softball league. Alan Wharton's the softball PSAL, the next year he's out. So I'm like, the if, if I join you, uh, I told Marty when I first met him, I'm like, hey, man, your time might come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, M- Marty, Marty is awesome, man. I love that dude. That oh, dude that's why is I had always. Him on the podcast first, man. Absolutely. What a wonderful guy. Huge, a huge amount of accomplishments. And he is so humble. And, you know, it was great. That was that was a great podcast. It was great to to hear about him and his story. Um, and again, such a humble, humble man. You know. Well, thank you, and I, I owe it to him to do uh, another podcast one more where I have uh, where I'm better at it. I was a little jumpy, um, but moving on. So, so you go from BUA, and you also I, I want to mention that you are a BUA Hall of Famer for whatever that's worth, which is to me worth a lot. I never went to any BUA after meetings like that, but when you were you were the one being awarded, I was like, I gotta go. And when I saw that, I knew how much I wanted to be better. In general, but I'm like, hey man, I want to, I want to be acknowledged for being good because it's validating, and I don't want it for the wrong reasons. I, I want if I deserve it, but you motivated me to. In that moment, I was like, whatever happens, I want to be as good enough to that level, whether I get a plaque or not. I just want to be at that level. And from you getting to be your start with BUA, how did you go from there from wrestling? So again, wrestling—that's my baby. Um, 
what happened for for me is the fact that um again i it started psal i i did make the finals uh for psal twice and from psal um i went to the state tournament uh i think i went something like one and two and again this guy didn't you know, tell me his year but what are you gonna tell me what weight you wrestled Sure. Um, and, and that's an interesting story. So, you know what? I, I wrestled 1990 to 94. And back yes. then, the PSAL had an extra weight class. So at the States, they went 167, 177, 215 heavyweight. In New York City, we had 167, 177, 190, 215, and heavyweight. Mm -hmm. So my junior year, I lost the finals uh, at 177. And I moved up a weight class to 190. And so um, the way they ran it was when you made the finals, they started at 215, uh, actually 190, 215. And then they went 10, whatever it was, 103 or 98, 91, all the way to heavyweight. And the last bout was the challenge match. It was the winner of 190 and the winner of 215. The winner of that match wrestles at States at 215. So wow. my weight, so so even though my weight class was 190, I was like 186 ish, and to I took on, fan. yeah, I took on the champion at 215 New York City, and I beat him three two at the buzzer, bang, two point, bang, and I went to states, and represented New York City at at the state tournament at 215. Meanwhile, I was 186, and um and so that was one of the things that happened. I think had I wrestled. At my true weight class, I think I would have done better. But I, to me, a lot of those guys, um, they knew, they just knew the rules. I picked up wrestling uh, as a freshman. Um, Likewise. And then I, and exactly, and and that's what happened. And Truman at the time, oh. they had, they I had that too, man. The they were yeah. the dynasty. But if you notice, the reason why was because they had either a middle school, an elementary school, and a middle school, or two middle schools, and, and those guys, beat the streets. they will beat the streets before beat the streets. So meanwhile, we're learning as freshmen, those guys already have three, four years of wrestling. My coach so, was Droz. He was a baseball coach. He was, I knew more wrestling with, than he did. <laughs> you know, like, and and it's funny to, to go back. Uh, for the first two years I wrestled, I was wrestling up because the the juniors, and senior, he was the weight class below, and he was not giving up that spot. And right. I had to get my ass kicked, you know, for that for that time. And then when he left, I finally got to go down. And it was like my senior year, and I was, I only lost to the guy from Truman and the guy from Clinton who took advantage of that we were friends. One, and he just wrestled lefty, and I'll never forget. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> and he, was, <laughs> and it was like I didn't have that focus too at that time. It was. I don't have regrets, but hindsight being what it was, I never is one thing I made sure to never, you know, when I did jujitsu and stuff like that, I was like, you got to have focus and you want to take it seriously, just like I try to do with this and officiating. So that's awesome. Yeah. You got to persevere when you have to go up in weight class. Absolutely. I think what when I got to school and I graduated and went upstate, um, I was blessed. I was blessed. I went to nationals every year. I was basically a three-time All-America and and that's really important. This part of that of that story is important because 
you know, everywhere I go, you know, there was there was this thing when I first went to the state tournament as we were traveling as a team. And I'm not sure if this still happens, but we went together as a PSAO group on the bus and you heard the innuendos. Oh, now we're going to see real wrestling. You know, we're not going to do anything. And it was like the, the losing attitude started there. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I went up to compete, you know, didn't do as much as good as I wanted to. But when I got upstate um, to college, I got to learn the basics. And I always feel, and this is just a bias, this is just me, I feel that when the PSAO wrestlers go to states, they are the bigger, stronger, faster athletes. I've always said that. Um, the problem is that they don't, they, don't know, uh, they don't know the fundamentals. And again, I'm a product, of, so I can talk about this, right? And so when I learned the fundamentals, I mean, first day of practice, my coach said, do whatever technique. And I'm like, what is that? Can but you, you show me? The, but you learn the street way. You learn the toughness and what you have to do to survive, but you don't learn the acumen to not get into those situations in the first place. Well, and, that, and that's what uh, people, when you're trained from a youth or you have a, the privilege of doing so, it can get you to a certain point, but you're going to get caught when you get to, a, you gotta, you know, you gotta. And, and Anthony and I were talking about that just even on the referee level, you get, I'm sure there's a, a stigma and uh, he said he felt it a little like that when you go up to states, you got to represent the city, you know, because we're the we don't even have a chapter in it. You know, like it's, it's chapter one, chapter two and, and the city. It, there is a, a handicap. But at the same time, you see what Beat the Streets is doing. You see how teams like Eagle Academy and they have a legacy. I mean, within the first couple of years, they sent a, a state champion. It's a testament to exactly what you're saying. The, the better athletes, the the it's a bigger pool of people and more, you know, it's not as less homogenous as you. If we had the same culture as like Minnesink Valley in any part of the city for wrestling, we they get smoked eventually or they it'd be competitive because they don't, it's just, you know, a bunch of suburban kids where people in the city, it's a lot, you get more different looks. So I want to, I would do want to talk about that and, and congratulations again to Anthony um, for making it to states, you know, he, he's a, uh, up and coming official, um, you know, he, he he said something very important and you keep learning, right? Um, Rich Renali and I, uh, I should have mentioned this early, earlier, Rich Renali and I went out to national preps. We had the privilege of going last year and this year. Where was it? And that was in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. And that is a tough, just a tough tournament. Um, it's it's so, regular folk style? Yeah, absolutely. It's the national preps. Think of uh, oh, the poly like preps. The, the, so if you win state, you go there? If you win uh, the, the New York State private schools, then you go to regionals, and then you, you go ultimately go to the national prep championships. Got it, got it. So you have the Blair Academies, yes. Wyoming Seminary. I mean, those, they're hammers. And a lot of those uh, kids. Bergen Catholic? Uh, Bergen. No, that's, that's New Jersey. They go to New Jersey State. Yeah. Oh, right. So, okay. yeah, a, a big pool. Yeah, so so a big pool of those wrestlers already have Division One offers. They're already going Division One. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had the 165 pound match as assist. These are the, and the oh yeah. So I had the whistle at 170, and that kid already is. Uh, he's already committed to Stanford. He was, uh, you know, he was coming into the tournament. I think he was ranked third in the nation. You know, he won a national preps. I don't know if they move up because of all the different. But... Isn't it crazy how they were going to lose their program recently too? Remember? Yeah. Yeah, a, yeah, and that one kid who's um he's wrestling tonight, right? The there's Stanford, there's a one guy that they have who's Griffin. I forgot his name. 
yeah, it was Griffin. He was Shane Griffin. Uh, actually, he uh, he's in the constellations. I'm okay. sorry, I'm spoiler, but eight o'clock. We gotta <laughs> we gotta tune in. So oh, yes. one of the points I want to make is um, when so I went when to I, nationals. Yep, so I went to nationals and and that was that was fantastic. But before nationals, right? I think one of the things that separates me is and and it tied in to my journey as a wrestler. Um, so I think part of it is you have to make yourself uncomfortable. You have to go to places and go to different events that you would have never felt comfortable in. But in that being uncomfortable, you got to persevere. You're going to, you're going to take some L. So um, as such, my college coach had a great schedule. We would wrestle in, in schools that we don't hear down, down in, in New York, uh, Wartburg out of, out of Iowa, um, Augsburg out of Minnesota and all these big schools in division three, we would wrestle them in, in our, we had them on our schedule. Then we would travel all over Pennsylvania, Virginia, and we would wrestle these tough schools. And initially I didn't do well, but one of the things I did was I watched my videos. I, I had a VCR. So we're going back now, a VCR that had slow motion on it. So I can pause it, Ooh. record it in my head, then try to draw it out. And then figure out how to get out of these situations. I mean, they were funky because we weren't used to it. In PSAL, for example, those Stop years. Read react. It was, yeah, I mean, you can do that. But at the same time, there was some funky situation. Like you're watching these D1 matches today and you're seeing these positioning. And you're like, what is that? So I wasn't, I didn't know what to do. So my coach put us in events with these kids who can do these things. I would use my technology back then, a VCR. I would, again, if you watch my match with me, and I would always say this, this follow me all the way till today. If we watch a match together, like us or one of my athletes, you would get annoyed because we already know what the results were at the end. We lived it. But to me, it's how do we get better? We watch situations where you didn't win that situation and we, we figured it out. So then the next time you're in that situation, you know what to do. So now that I said that, that was the one skill I've bought into officiating because I watch all of my matches. I watch it. I pause it. I, obviously, there's no VCR anymore. Um, but the technology we have today is much better. So I try to watch it, develop it. And I think for me, what's really helped me hone in on my skills, I actually stay in front of a mirror and I'm practicing my mechanics in all sports. Um, and just as importantly, I watch my videotapes and I do have a mentor and I speak to my mentor about it. And I see those funky situations we discussed. I see them often. So by the time I got to national preps, I've already seen those over and over and over. So I'm really confident. The other thing that's important is, especially with the sport of wrestling, if you're watching some of these D1 matches, a lot of them come down to the last 45 seconds of a match. And you know if it's a tie match or someone's losing, something is going to happen on the edge. And so uh, when I wrestled, a lot of my strategies really happened on the edge. I felt very comfortable in small spaces. And, um, and so I, a lot of my matches were won there. So when I'm watching or officiating a match, I'm already in that thought process of, hey, what, is, what, what can happen in these situations? And I kind of slow myself down, let the dust settle, and just wait for something to happen and then make the, make the call. Let it come to so, you. So um, absolutely. And that's why, you know, as a quote, my quote, trademark, a good referee knows the rules, but a great referee knows the game. And and it, this is part of gamesmanship. And the, and the athletes are doing the same thing. 
that's why you're saying it when it's highly contested, they'll go to the edge because that's not something that that you do when you're at a novice because a novice is just trying to get the job done in a rudimentary way where I need to pin this guy or not not lose or score more points. These guys are trying to win a game. And when you do that, it's going beyond, you know, for us, the rules and for them beyond their, the there's only certain amount of windows to, to be better than somebody at that at that at those moments. So you got to do more than the athleticism more the skills, which would be for us, the rules. You got to you got to shore that up. And, and you can only come from reps, watching yourself, watching video, watching other people who are better than you. And you could read a rule book to your blue in the face. You could know what the moves are, but anticipating and all and, and, and knowing the right calls and, and mechanisms behind it, it, it takes reps. And like, just like you said earlier, now you feel like you are where you are. Like you're, now you're at your peak. And I say that I, I, I make an analogy to like a, to belts system. I feel like I got my black belt now, but now that I'm a black belt now and I'm seen as somebody who is looked up to and, and the people who are before me, and I take great pride in that. I'm a white belt for another level because you're a black, you're like a master. And and that's how it is. You get, you get stripes on the belt. So you always got to approach it. Just like Anthony said, always learning, always learning. And absolutely as, as we continue on. So those are your first two sports, right? Baseball and wrestling. Baseball and wrestling. Those are, those are my favorites. What are the other sports real quick? Football, lacrosse. Yeah. Football, lacrosse, soccer and again three of them i do on the college level just like i, I mentioned before football college football yeah. psal um a couple of people i want to mention um uh, billy Patton. i think you mentioned before billy Patton is is a is a guy who um is a legend both in and again you talk you talk about the sports i do he did he did as much and more and he did the finals and psal for just all those sports so i got a chance to work with him um, both on a wrestling mat and football. Last year, it was a complete thrill. I worked with him, PSAL, quarterfinal football, and we worked the championship. It's like, oh, gosh, I get to work with Billy Patton. Um, White cat. Who's been, who's been the white, yeah, and, and kind of been the standard. Um, he's been the standard, and he's in fantastic shape. I'm going to have him on when it comes to football season. You know, I'm just trying to make more relevant. You know, like uh, I want I want people to hear what, it's not like I said. Not only made me better at my trade, but you guys have made me better men. And to me, you can't have one without the other in this job. You, growth as a person will will make you a better referee. If you're stalling as a person and you're not, your inability to learn is muted because of whatever's going on, then it's going to reflect in, in this in this trade more than others. That's an excellent analogy. Excellent. Um, you know, ultimately, I, I do this. Because to me, this is like almost like the fountain of youth. And, and let me explain that a little bit. For me, when I'm on a field, on the mat, and you know these competitors are, are younger in age, it challenges me to stay that much sharper, do the extra things that when no one is looking, you're still doing to keep you kind of ahead. So whether it's the high school level or the college level, you know, it's always really a thrill because it brings me back to that mindset of when I was at that level. Um, yeah, and ultimately... Yeah. Yeah. It's not it's not just about the paycheck. It's about, you know, and a lot of relationships are really fostered there, you know. Um, But ultimately, what I'd like to see is, 
you know, folks like yourself. Um, I like to see you, you know, the youth that's in with the wrestling, right? So we can go wrestling, football, baseball, anyone, but I want to really see, you know, the youth really develop. I mean, they are really growing. Um, I think there's there's more work to be done, and not just with them, but with everyone. But they're really developing. And you mentioned some before. You mentioned Rupan. I don't think you mentioned um, Jamish. Um, I did. did mention. Okay, you mentioned Jamish. <laughs> um, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. And again, you know, we, we talk about Anthony. And specifically, um, the way we um, uh, wrestling referees are, I think uh, I want to sort of make it so. It's it's more of a each sport is different, but like preventative officiating is a thread throughout all sports. It's applied differently in each sport, but same thing with officiating. There is a thread, and I think, not I think, I know the big motivation for me to do this is to give voice so people can hear and relate more. And I'm glad you you, you stated your ethnicity, and so did Emerson Miranda, you know, and so it, you have to know that it's possible through other people that's how that's how it works if you don't see an example or a representation of something it's not going to come to you unless you know it's special circumstances but it shouldn't be that way it should be something that an opportunity for everybody to get out of school and if you're an intern or doing something you still want to be a part of a sport it's a perfect opportunity to do that and i don't think it's more, it's not as transparent as I like it to be, and that's what a big motivation of this doing this is. And get when I get the website together, I, I want to provide links so people can have more of a, a direct avenue to sign up and become an official. Because I just think more people don't know about it more than anything else. Absolutely, and there's things we can do as a group. I mean, I think at the end of the day, you know, there's folks we do it, who dude. we do it in wrestling. In wrestling, we do it. Look at how the, we get younger and we get new recruits way more than baseball you know i mean umpires are, are are not as plentiful and people are dropping out and it's kind of the opposite for city referees we get more every year it's yeah really, and it's the formula that formula will work it just got to be applied differently absolutely interesting i just want to mention another name um leon who's a fellow mm. shout out to he, leon cruset He's he's he, he's amazing and he's an amazing individual i've had the pleasure to work with him on the mat and on a baseball field you know, I think that's another person you can speak to, just give you another perspective. Oh, I know. And the, me- the reason why I say this, because, yes, we're, we're younger, but younger can mean a lot of things, not just in age. But, you know, he he's an individual who's kind of been around the sports. Yeah, well, Leon's younger because uh, he's actually closer to my age. Yeah, well, <laughs> and that's and that's what I mean. It's, it, it's not just about the no. age, you know, no, there, there's Leon's other folks out there. Leon's yeah. got, you know, he's he. that's why he's the only referee that I, from wrestling who's never wrestled before, had no idea. Not only the balls to do it, but immediately having an acumen that you're just like, oh, you just need to learn it. Like you, you got it. It'll come to you. You know, Bobby yeah. Anthony, you know, would say you have the gumption. gumption. That's a that's an old school word. You have to have the gumption, and yes, Leon has the gumption. Um, but you, to, you to say do balls this. a lot of time too. <laughs> you, can, you, you can, you can, yeah. and and you know, yeah, yeah. He, um, has the, he has the gut for it too. Like no, he's got the stomach to be an official that gets him by. So he can fake it till he makes it. Absolutely, it, you know, you know, and he gets that from baseball. But For another sure. individual I want to mention, um, I think Carrie. Carrie is going to be she. She's a grow, grow, just growing and soaking she's up the information. Star. I love Carrie. She, she's, uh, you know, her her time is coming, and she is going to continue to develop. But ultimately, I do this because I really like being out there. 
Um, I do want to help influence. I do want to be an example. Um, I've kind of ha- carried that from the wrestling mat, um, show what a PSAL kid can do um, to get on the podium, and then also the beach stuff, right? It was beach medalist and Empire State Games medalist. But I want to show folks that, hey, you know what? You, you can do this. I'm just like you. I'm a city kid, you know, came from the Bronx, um, and just kept kept with it and never gave up. And that's really my secret, right? My secret is, you know, you you have to, you're going to fail, but failure is just feedback. It's information. And if you take the message I mentioned before with watching your videotapes, trying to get better, being in front of the mirror and, you know, practicing your mechanics and, you know, take on those pressure situations, welcome it. And when you're in that situation, you got to say to yourself, Man, I'm the best referee, or I'm the best umpire, or I'm the whatever. Because in that mind, from success, well, you get yes, you're, you're, that's you, partly true. That's partly. You, know, you don't get the, you can't get as good as you need to be if you're always successful. You have to fail and, and take it like you said. It is information. It, failure is. It shouldn't be criticism. It should be analytics. It should be something that you use to either realize, hey. It's a, it can be a tool of self-awareness. This isn't for me. And that's fine. That is absolutely fine. I, My talent ran, like I, there was limits to whatever I could do any in, in any athletics. Mm-hmm. Even if I tried my hardest, which I didn't, but even if I did. But I don't think there's any limits to me in officiating. And and that's what you're saying. You, know, you, you can do it if you find it. And if you find it, make sure you do it, you know? Absolutely. You know, um, Alan Wharton, another person you mentioned early, you know, I, you know, I get to, you know, cover soccer for him. And he mentioned one time in one of our uh, meetings, he says, I have my really, really good officials and I have my playoff officials. And people were like, well, what is the difference between the two? I said, ah, he said, my really good officials, they will perform very well during the regular season. But once they get into the deeper rounds, semis and finals, and they have a crowd. And for some, he used to assign basketball referees and, and they would play the championships at the Garden, PSL Championship. And some people couldn't handle that pressure and they would falter. His playoff officials, chances are they won't. And so I think a lot of it is because it's mindset. And, and I was kind of dreaming at this before. You know, when that moment comes and Anthony said it, you know, we, and he and I talked about well, it, the, the element of the crowd, you know, the crowd, you know, um, when mm-hmm. you feel that, you got to dial down at that point. You're going to feel the butterflies, but you got to psych yourself out and say, look, I'm the best. I can handle this. Like, this is me. I want this. I and want this. Not only that, sometimes you have to realize you're there for a reason. And also, you're not special. Everybody's going through the same thing, you know, and that'll bring you down a little. OK, it's not just me. So going into this baseball season, like, what are your expectations? Uh, and and you do in college, have you have you implemented or have messed around with the new rules and the pitch clock and stuff like that? Yeah, actually, we had a game. I just came from a game um, a little while ago. And um, the pitch clock, at this point, we had no violations, which are good. Um, the timers are really good. Using a stopwatch to now do the timer is not good because you take it, your eyes off what's going on to take a look, and that's when something can happen. So now we have the uh, the timer on the side. It's just this on-off switch. So we didn't have a violation. Yesterday's game, I did have a violation because after the third out, different from high school, after the third out, you know, you have two minutes when the pitcher has to be on the mound with the ball and the batter got to be in the box. And if one of the two are not ready, if the pitcher's not ready, 
it's a ball, ball for the batter. And if the batter is not ready, it's a strike. So I had a violation. And this is MLB yesterday. too. Same thing for them? Two minutes? The rules are, yeah, they're similar, slightly different for MLB. But what's going to happen is for Division One, they have to have that visual in the stadiums. D2 and D3 have another uh, another few years before they have the visuals. So right now it's the base guy. And when you're doing three-man, you uh, three, he has the timer, and you one helps with the uh, visits because, you know, you got to make sure to get those visits. So we, he helps the home plate umpire with the offensive yeah, conferences yeah. and defensive conferences. Yeah, uh, Curtis and I, on the main portion of the podcast, we're going to cover that in time with opening day. He's gone through it for at least two years now. And uh, I'm going to do my research and figure out what, like, so, because I know people know what's happening, but to the layman or even people who are fans of it, it's going to change a lot. It's good. It's a real big shift. Mm-hmm. And I try to talk to some of my Monday morning quarterback friends who is going to ruin the game. And uh, I'm like, they don't, one thing as an official, and this is why I see sports, I call myself a professional watcher. And I'll shout him out again, JP, who said, I know more baseball than you. And he was talking in the gambling sense. I was like, you know more MLBs than I do. But the, the game I know. And it was, a, it was a funny moment between friends, but I still roast him over it, obviously. But that's the thing. Like, So when I see when these rule changes, yes, you can have an immediate like gut reaction of how it's going to go. But as you saw Scherzer, I don't know if you saw a clip, Scherzer just held in position while the batter stepped out. And as soon as he stepped in, he threw the pitch. The greats will adjust. This happens. It happens in hockey all the time. They constantly go through rule changes that are very like impactful in a way that like a, a strike or a ball call without a pitch or a swing is, is huge. And you got to adjust. That's it. Adjust. And if you're good enough, you will. And if you're not, then, well, sorry, the game passed you by. Well, the, look, sports are always evolving and, and it's going to continue to but evolve. Baseball and... still is more of like a wooden ship in that way. Shout out to JP again, who always says baseball is an old wooden ship. But now they're trying to, you know, put some metal on the siding and everybody's like, oh, no. But it's like you've always been criticizing for this way, and now they're trying to do something to speed up the game, which what do people always criticize about baseball? You can't have it both ways. The players don't know what to do, who are the ultimately the only people I care about adjusting to it. I don't care about fans. They will adjust if the, when the players adjust. So, and as I make sure we cover that in a couple of weeks and I do my research on that because I'm sort of holding off until the last moment. Like I'm studying for a test, and I'm just going to cram the night before and just digest all the rules at once. Look, I think the best way to get it is you got to immerse yourself um, into it. And Curtis, by the way, I know you, you had a great talk with him. He's amazing. The last times, I, you know, he and I never worked together. We've we've talked a lot mm-hmm. on our way to our games at Diamond Nation when we when I was doing games out there. And um, one of one of the conversations we had was about Invisalign because he had it first. And I got it. So uh-huh. yeah, great, great, great guy to talk baseball. Um, regional guy. He's a regional guy. I think last year, I'm pretty certain he worked the regionals um for the group we represent chesapeake um but yeah just an amazing uh character just amazing character amazing umpire and great to talk the rules with him but look the game is evolving wrestling is evolving football is evolving the rules are changing helmets are changing all kinds of stuff and if we you know as we talked about before you have to continue to evolve continue to learn the rules apply apply them in game situations um that's why going back to your your quote you got to know the game um, and know what can happen and apply the situations accordingly um, and let the best two in wrestling figure it out or let the best team 
um, and players figure it out. Yeah, and I and I wasn't like uh, crapping on all over fans to to say that they're not knowledgeable. They just have one scope, and you don't have to be a better fan. All you have to do is be a fan. You you can't not be a better player, and you cannot be a better ref. You have to progress. So our our viewpoint of the game is different than just enjoyment. And I've always been that way. I've when I watch wrestling, my dad, you know, he's wising me up. He broke kayfabe, which in, is wrestler speak for, you know, character. He, he told me that they were just acting and stuff like that. And it didn't bother me because I, I was enamored with beyond it. Like the what made it work? What are, what makes this a successful thing in, in the realm of athletics? And we're wrestling a little more artistic, but with baseball. And yeah, I went, when I was in Jamaica for my honeymoon, I was talking to a guy for cricket about cricket for two hours. Did I know more about cricket? I probably knew less after the conversation, but I still wanted to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and that nothing, you know, breaking my arm, patting myself on the back. But I just, that's what I think the good officials, when you talk about the game, nobody's talking about the rules. That, you know, nobody really, if you're going to get better at it, you should already, the rules are easy. Just read the rules. But to that's get real, to progress, it's a whole different ballgame. That's it. So to progress, uh, I mentioned some ideas of what I think you, most folks can do. But um, the other thing that you, I think you must do um, in order to get better as an official, um, we know the terms of when if you were in sports and you want to get better, you went to camp. I think you have to go to camps. You have to train. You have to invest in yourself. And they can be pricey. But, you know, you're investing in yourself. The skill that you pick up will help you continue to grow and move up levels. I don't so, think it should be pricey. And I think there's an avenue for it to not be pricey. And I'm working on that. Um, <laughs> well, well, you know, it, it's who, who's going to instruct you, right? It's, it's about who's coaching you. And I think, yeah, it doesn't have to, it shouldn't be pricey, but you're in the ultimate is you're investing in yourself and those skills are going to lead to better and better assignments. And yeah. I think you, yeah. and, and, and you have to travel, you have to go out and seek out better competition um, to get better. I don't mean it shouldn't be pricey that there's not something that we put forth in, in the investing of yourself in a trade. There's always that upfrontness of payment or time investment, but it should be easier and more accessible on a smaller level to not make it so to go to camp. It's just like one size fits all. There should be camps that are just like recreational based, uh, 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 just like you have the opportunity to be a recreational ball player. And there's an opportunity to do that, whether you're good or not. You just try it, to try it and build yourself and find out where you stack. And then when you get to a varsity level, you're not in year one. You went through a sort of process that athletes go through. I think there's a linear thing that umpires and officials can go through that. That's what I'm saying I'm working on. Not like if you want to go to the MLB umpire camp, you have to pay, of course. And it'll come back to you. It's not a, you're not working for free, but you know. What I mean is just on a local level, on a, a exactly what holds the city back in wrestling, that sort of growth process, mm-hmm. it, there's a there's a big lane for it. And I think it's just because people don't know to invest a time in it. And uh, I, like when I say I'm working on it, Curtis and, and I are, we want to use Diamond Nation. The field is there. It's driving distance for a lot of people, a lot of high schools. We have an opportunity to do what the, the little leagues do there and train people. And it's the only cost is getting there maybe at an affordable rate. 
And you could build a system where Marty can just have newer umpires working on lesser games. And then they could build themselves up to get to the 17 U's and 18 U's instead of getting there because out of necessity and then your skills don't match where you are and your insecurities will take over or it, it, it can go wrong for you because you're not developed, you know, and trial by fire is not something that we should have to go through as much as I think we do. And I think that discourages a lot of people too from trying. Yeah. I mean, you, you have a good point. I liked how that sounds. You know, I think over time, if they could, that could really develop that system, that'd be great. But then I'm going to try. Like, yeah. And, and you know what? Just just try it and, and it may grow, you know. Um, but then you think about it like this. <clears throat> Guys like Curtis, um, who are at a certain level, they got to get better. He still goes to camp. I, oh, yeah. I know because I talked to him. Like when I first saw him working, <clears throat> the moment he made a call, I joked with him. It was, it was love that first play. I saw him make that call. I was like, ooh, that guy's. You know when somebody makes a proper mechanic in a situation where they don't necessarily have to be that proper. And it was just, it was, I knew he was the, exactly the skill. Same thing when I saw you were like that, you know, who's good. You know, you know, who's, who's not only good, but they're good for a reason. There's a lot of people who are just good by rote and by just showing up every day. And that's awesome. But there's some people who are good because they continue to learn. Yeah. And, and again, you know, um, and I was told this a few weeks ago by my college assigner. He said, look, when you work with guys who are seasoned and have been where you want to be and, and from anyone, pick up even the littlest thing you can and just add it into your mechanic. You know, um, I know you don't know this name um, and he's actually officiating in the NCAA right now. Nick Grasso. I love his style as an official. I try to mirror him um, as well as Mike Trish Matt Trishinsky. They're both at nationals, the top officials. And I just watched them. And the great thing is I can reach out to them anytime. So, hey, do they like you know, to talk those about great their Because, you know, I know podcasts the way they can do that. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe. But Don't but know. I have, but but these are folks who I, who I, um, I watch and I emulate or try to. But if you want to get better, you have to put yourself in, in situations. Um, and again, my journey as an official is, is similar to my journey as, as a wrestler. And, and I was pretty successful, um, but I would go out and, and go to these competitions all over the place and I would get beat and, and I would just learn. And then eventually I started beating him. And then once I passed that level, try to get to the next level, but always learning, always learning. And I think as an official in whatever sport, um, that's key. You well, have to use you, you started as a referee and it was try, I mean, a wrestler rather and trial by fire. Cause you didn't have those, you know, fundamental skills that a lot of other people do, but, you started as a referee younger, so you did get those fundamental skills, and you understood it in a in an athletic level, and it, it helped you because you started you you had what you wished you had for wrestling, but that would have made you more successful. Even though you were a success, you don't measure success based on other people. You measure on what you did on yourself. Am I getting better as a person? It's not, you know, measure that's compa that's comparison. This is, you know, of it's course. like a, it's, life is like a golf game. It's just you versus the course. It doesn't matter what mm -hmm. the other people do. You got to get the ball in. And in, Absolutely. you did that. That's, that's, I like, I like the way you put it. For me, my mindset is this, and I know we're running short on time. Um, and I just a few thoughts. So first mindset, my mindset is, look, I was, I was sharp last year. I was sharper this year. I'm going to be sharper next year. Oh yeah. I'm just keep, and that's just the mindset for the future. You got to have that future. You got to have that carrot you're chasing. Um, but you got to earn that feeling. I didn't feel that I was a rookie 
And then there was like a purgatory where I knew I was better than I was, but I knew I wasn't good as I wanted to be. And the last few years, okay, I'm good now. And every year I'm going to get better because I, you know, I, I, I don't have to worry about being good. Now I can worry about being better. Well, you told me already. You, you spelled out the future to me. You said, all right, you did the chip last year. This year you're going to do the chip. And next year you're going to do the trip away. And I'm like, oh, yeah. man, he, he already knows what he's doing. So he, he, he already told me he's going to put in the work to get mm -hmm. better. Right. So I love to see that, that, that growth in you. Um, I mentioned a few folks before in terms of the wrestling where I like to see them. Um, but I've been around enough where, you know, um, you know, some of the officials like, uh, Rich Martinez, uh, he was a guy who I pretty much watched from his beginning. He, I've met, I met him, uh, or saw him as official when I was 14 years old. So I've, I've seen him grow and a lot of my styles were similar to his, uh, again, he, he was, he was one of those influencers, um, but what I like to see now um, is just the growth in the officials, coaches-wise. There's some co coaches in, in the PSAL who I've seen. And, I'm, well, and, and that's another one day too, I was... It's not just other officials. Shout out to the coaches who helped you get better. Absolutely. Like Mike Toro in baseball, who I'm going to have on the podcast, by the way. He agreed. I can't wait for that. I'm going to contact him tomorrow and try to set that up. Yeah, and, Mike uh, Mikey Toro is a is a tremendous tremendous figure in New York City person. baseball. Oh, he really is. He is. Have you ever met a more Dominican non-Dominican person who? <laughs> <laughs> the There's time. another coach who was like that, but no, Mike. Uh, yeah, Mike personally, yeah, personally. Just, uh, again, I played all, against for Monroe. For all the right reasons too. Absolutely, I played against Monroe. Uh, Mikey Toro was there. He he, and you could you could feel it like even when because yeah. you just had a game with him and you could feel that voice. He's like a little like raw. He's like a little like a pit bull, just short and, and stocky, great shape. He's not mad at you as an individual. If he disagrees with you, he's mad at the circumstance of what happened. And you have to make that distinction. I try to say it to Emerson, yeah, we we are you know birds of a feather as far as Bronx Puerto Rican kids, but he's a coach and I'm a referee. But I understand emotion versus being a you know, a dick and Turles, he doesn't have that ability to do that. And you know that right away as the person you get that you have to take that into consideration when he's, he's being that uh, in a certain way that he doesn't waste time being that way. He, he, it means something when he's that way. And that's what good coaches will teach you is like, you got to respect that. Absolutely. So I, you know, Mikey Turo and then a few other people. So I just want to recognize. So you said Mikey Turo, the thing I love about Mikey Turo, not just the fact that he's a, a legend for the number of championships he won, but it's the people that he's impacted. You see, like for me, I get to see these kids from the high school level, but I get to see them on the college level. And and mm -hmm. I'm like, man, that's Mikey Turtles. And when I see Mike, I'm like, hey, Mike, I saw such and such when I had his game. You know, And that's what I like to see. To me, definition of your legacy is not the number of championships you've won or championships that you officiated. To me, is how many of those folks do impact and they also experience what you experience, you know? So, um, well, you, you know, know in that to me, a master, a master is not all the competitions you won. You know how you become right. a master? It's how many people you taught. And that's, and that's, that's the point I'm, I'm making. So, um, and to wrap this up, I should learners too. Like you, you can't stop it. You can't, you can't be stagnant in that stuff because it's an excellent point. It's not that you don't want the student to pass you by. You want them to be better, but you don't want them to pass you by in the in the process of learning information. You got to stay a student. 
Absolutely. So there were things you asked me, but I'll answer them now because I know we're running short on time. Hey, semifinals, they're about to kick up. So for me, you know, I had a great year. Three out of the four sports that I officiated, that I officiate, I did the championships for. My ultimate goal is to work Division Three National Wrestling Championships. I feel the regionals are right around the corner. I did get a chance. Um, I was uh, asked to work a regional uh, JUCOs, which I turned down. But that's a whole nother story. But regionals, nationals, baseball-wise, regionals, uh, and then maybe a World Series down the road. But the wrestling, that is the big piece. Um, and my, my goal you know, was set back a few years ago. I got three years to accomplish it. I'm getting really close. I, f- I think I figured it out. And I'm going to put myself in a path. And eventually down the road, you know, we'll, we'll circle back if that's, you know, when it's time to do states, because I'm going to do states. I already know that it's in, it's already in there. Um, but, you know, to me, you know, the national preps, regionals um, for uh, college and, and nationals, that that's what I'm aiming. And um, the perspective is I was blessed to go there as an athlete. I was blessed to go there as a coach. I coached two kids at the national tournament. And to me, it's getting there as an official. So you get all three perspectives. That is the goal for me. And next is just continue to be a a positive role model for those folks who haven't gotten quite there yet. I want to make sure that I can help them achieve their goals, help them open the doors and say, hey, look, this is what I did. Let me point you in this direction. I can only give you the information and if you want to go, let, let me help you. I'll help you on that journey. That's what I want. Yeah. Well, I think I speak for everybody who comes across you and, and knows you the way that I do that. Everything that you just listed out, you will do because you've always done it. And I stand on the shoulders of the giants before me. And there's no bigger shoulders than you, my friend. So thank you for coming on this podcast. And thank you for being the person that you are in my life. And I love you, buddy. I appreciate love you, you too, so brother. much, man. Everybody, Carlos Domo.